0: Down for a minute.
1: Welcome to Search Talk Live with search engine optimization and marketing experts, Robert O'Haver and Matt Weber, powered by the Robert Palmer family of companies.
0: We need the intro. Right.
1: Welcome to Search Talk Live, with search engine optimization and marketing experts, Robert O'Haver and Matt Weber, powered by the Robert Palmer family of companies.
0: All right. Welcome back to another episode of Search Talk Live. I'm your host, Robert O'Haver, along with Matt Weber. Matt, how are you? I am doing fantastic. Good to be back home. Yeah. Uh, I want to take a brief second to uh, let everybody know that, uh, that you know, the recent hurricane we came through, uh, we, we dodged a bullet here in Florida. But, you know, our prayers go out to those people that live in the Bahamas and uh, want to just mention that. Uh, and you and I were ready
2: fun. to do the show. I mean, we had our raincoats. We had our, our deep <laughs> boots on. Man, we had the was... generator here. We had the coal, charcoal ready.
3: Charcoal? For the fire in case the electricity, <laughs> you know, we had to eat, right? Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. But last minute we decided to cancel for safety because really Charles didn't want to do it. You and I were in, but Charles <laughs> didn't want to do it.
0: Yeah. So um, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. We have a, a huge following and listeners. Uh, we're getting a lot of good comments and emails back saying how much they love the show and and I just want to thank everyone for supporting the show, supporting our sponsors, Ahrefs or HRFs. It's A H A A H R E F S dot com. And along with our other sponsors, uh, we really appreciate your sponsorship. And we also want everyone to check out those guys. If you haven't used their services, let me tell you, Matt, you can speak for it
2: we lean on them every day every Seriously. day every day
0: so much data sometimes you're like wow <laughs> you know but um all right so let's get back to the show today we're going to be talking about local search one of the things i mean we do hard we do do quite a bit of shows on this but um i think it's really important cuz there's so many different views and things that you don't get from one person so i mean we get we we want to do you know at least once a quarter something about local search. So Yeah,
2: I think it's one of the least understood parts of search engine marketing.
0: It is, it is definitely. And, and there's, there's so many, you know, I've, I still see to this day, so many old school techniques that were done like five, 10 years ago that just don't work anymore. And man, people don't really understand. I think it's just out of not having knowledge about the topic, you know, or, yeah. or, or their the skill set. Um so and and you plus you get a lot of website owners that kind of take it upon themselves to yeah. save money and and just, you know, they find something on the web and of course everything on the web is true, right? Right. Well fortunately today <laughs> we
2: have the man.
0: Yes, yes. Uh today our guest, he is an author, uh well known in the industry. He's he's got he's uh got one of the most respected blogs uh, on Google Maps and local search, uh, and he's also the co-founder of uh, Get List, listed dot org. But I'll let you tell him about about himself because he is an expert on himself. Uh, Mike Blumenthal, Mike, welcome to the show.
4: Well, oh, thank you for having me. So I'm the co-founder of LocalU and GatherUp. Get Listed was David Mims' company that he sold to uh, Moz that became Moz Local. I did help him beta test that and certainly helped him sort of conceive of it, but I wasn't a founder of Get Listed. Um, We did jointly start Local U together, though, so our names are often associated with each other. Local U is a digital training for agencies and small businesses. We travel around the country. We do a weekly podcast. In fact, we have an advanced event for that in September 19th. I think the tickets go up on the 13th and gather up as a reputation Management tool that allows businesses local businesses together manage from and market with their review and
0: feedback. Uh, we're getting a bad connection here. Uh, you started sounding like you're talking through a fan blade. <laughs> I don't know what happened.
2: Great to have Mike on the show, though. Really, yeah, one definitely. of the top names in local search.
0: Yeah, and I'm sorry, I pulled that information from uh, SMX's website <laughs> on your oh, bio. No. <laughs> okay. Can you hear me all right now? Uh not really good. Let's try. I'm going to call you right back on the Skype. All right. I'm going to What's that? All right, guys. <whistles> Matt, you want to fill the dead air, real <laughs> <laughs> quick? Yeah, I'd like to tell everybody about an event that's coming up. It is
2: Thursday. If you're in the Orlando, Central Florida area, I'm going to be doing a special session on Google Ads, and it's at the National Entrepreneurs Center in Orlando at the Orlando Fashion Square Mall, and it's at nine o'clock. It's thirty dollars to register, and it's uh, two hours of packed information on Google Ads, and you can find uh, more information under Events at Roar website. Dot com roarwebdesign.com
0: Mike can we hear you?
4: Hi, I am here. can
0: oh, you hear me? Yes, perfect. okay. Uh, so go back can you go back through uh, tell us about yourself again I'm sorry.
4: Sure. so I was born and bred in upstate Western New York, small town south of Buffalo. Uh, started a web hosting company and design in 2001 got into local search 2006. 2010, I founded uh, Local U with a number of partners: Mary Bowling, David Mim, uh, a number of others. And 2013, I founded uh, Gather Up, which at the time we called Get Five Stars, which is a um, an online solution to help local businesses engage productively with the world of reviews by gathering them more efficiently, leveraging them for management insights, and then also leveraging them for their marketing and content strategy.
0: Very nice. So let's get, let's get into it. Where do you want to start? Um, I, now, actually, before we get too much into it, I would like you to tell about the case study you kind of told me about previously with the the customer. I think that is very fascinating. And I think that it'd be a good thing for people to hear.
4: So I I ride my bike to work every day and I noticed a new business had opened where a a restaurant had previously closed. It was a, it was a restaurant and this was a restaurant location that had three restaurants at it in the last four years. And this new one opened and they had a Facebook only presence. So I was very curious to see if they would allow me to help them create a Google Complementary Google presence, no website, no other citations, and to see if um, to see if they would be able to generate more leads with Facebook or more leads with Google, if they would be able to live without a citation campaign because there was a lot of nap confusion at that physical location because there had been multiple restaurants there prior to them, and to see whether we could rank reasonably well because they were sort of just outside the edge of town uh even though it's a small town there's a lot of restaurants there's probably 80 or 90 restaurants because we're the only uh city if you can call it that in about 50 miles so there's a lot of restaurants to compete with so we started off by claiming their google listing this was in june of 2018 and i built them a my business webpage shortly thereafter. And uh, historically, people thought that Google my business webpages couldn't rank, but this one ranked within six weeks with no links, just showed up in the search results for breakfasts in town. I trained her how to do Google posts, and for the first Oh, So the first three or four months, all she did was Facebook posts and Google posts. She was posting at Facebook probably three times a week, maybe once a week at Google. Um, And during that period in tracking conversions, and for her, we uh, or tracking KPIs. We defined driving directions and uh, click to calls, which were the only data we could get (laughs) as the primary KPIs from either Facebook or Google. During the first three months, she got probably three times as many of those driving directions and phone calls from Google as she got from Facebook. Um, we then, so is a pretty clean setup, right? There was no web site for Google to look at. She had no citations because she was brand new. Um, she only had a Facebook presence. So Google didn't know much about her. And yet within a fairly short period of time, they were ranking. She was getting some fair bit of traction. Um, So that fall, last fall, we added menu items for it. I was thinking that perhaps having the detail in the Google My Business website with all our menu items would increase her rank. It had zero impact. Mm -hmm. Um, Around, it was probably, meanwhile, she was seeing some increased. Traffic, And she was continuing to get seven to ten times the leads from Google than from her purely organic Facebook presence, right? So she wasn't advertising in Facebook. She wasn't boosting. She wasn't doing any targeting. She was just posting. She had a fairly loyal following, number of people that would share her things, was fairly active. But still, she wasn't seeing many leads that we could track or that Facebook was, you know, sending to her. Yeah, the menu had zero impact. I thought it would have some impact, but in December, Google added the a little an ability to manipulate the title tag of the website uh, through the Google My Business webpage. It's a single page website. It's very fairly unsophisticated. No ability to control meta description, for example. They sort of just grab the top uh, first H one or H two on the page, use that as a meta description. But they did finally add the ability to control the title tag. We did, just added the word restaurant, the city, breakfast and lunch, and that immediately left her with, or increased her rank, in particularly in the breakfast and uh, both uh, short tail and long tail terms. Um, it sort of quadrupled her website, her, her visibility in, in search instantly just by controlling the title tags. Um, so that was December, and in mid-January, She's a small restaurant. She serves maybe 20, 25 meals breakfast, 20, 25 meals lunch, right? Doesn't have a huge budget. Had no way to gather email addresses or to easily ask for reviews. So we had just built a new feature at GatherUp called TextBack, which essentially allows the client or the customer uh, frequenting the spot-to-be restaurant to text a quick little message to our system, and it starts the feedback and review process. So we built her some uh, tents for the table with calls to action on them, put them on the the countertops and on the tables. And she started getting um, reviews, first and third-party reviews, using this text-back system. She saw somebody new come in. She'd mention the feature. They'd be able to point their phone at it and instantly start the review process. She was able to start she was able to get, you know, she had gotten a few reviews prior to that, but her reviews really started ticking up. Um, I can't remember the exact number, but it went from, you know, four to like 30 in a couple months. That was interesting experiment on a number of levels. Um, But what we saw was a slight increase in, in keyword exposure, but an improvement on the longer tail keywords, particularly. In other words, we, the ones that were in the 30 40 50 position were consistently moving up Um, so she was continuing to get increased exposure still getting 10x now remember we did no citation building for we didn't clean up the citations and the citations were totally a mess because there'd been three restaurants there prior so one of the learnings in this is that citations are not structured citations at the multitude of sites that people use have little to no ranking impact in and of themselves. And even having NAP confusion while it's not recommended doesn't seem to hold a site back. So So those are two two interesting learnings uh, in this that we tested. And it's not to say that that it's ideal, but it doesn't have any very, very big impact. Reviews at this point had a significant impact. Uh, And then in June, I wrote up a case study for her at GatherUp, and a case and a summary of it at Blumenthal's. So she got her first two links, had no links prior to this. And instantly, again, we saw a big jump both in pack results and organic results around uh, a couple of phrases that we were targeting uh, all day breakfast, lunches, those sorts of things.
0: So, what would and, you say was the majority of the traffic? Was it from the, the pack or was it from? The, the post that you were. You were
4: well, inside. interestingly, well, similar, I, can't, I don't have the exact date, but what we saw was users shifted over, at least in the restaurant segment, to using Google Maps. So the bulk of her traffic is actually coming from Google Maps not um that's discovery and recovery traffic both not from the pack or from organic she's getting some from organic and some from the pack but the bulk of it appears to be coming from Google Maps which was shocking to me because historically Google Maps has not provided either the user experience or the searchability but in the restaurant world Google has put a lot of effort into improving the results and people are starting to use it for discovery. So she was finding – she was getting visitor, out-of-town visitors looking for the best you know, breakfast restaurant. And she was getting those kind of folks. So surprisingly, the bulk of it was coming and is coming from Google Maps.
2: There's a lot to unpack in that case study. Certainly uh, among the topics we want to pursue is the death of citations. There's an awful lot of people listening to the show that spend a good deal of time doing citation building. But then secondly, the other thing that you didn't do with her, Mike, is you didn't put her into the data aggregators, which was also one of the conventional you got to do this uh, to make sure that you rank. What's your thought on where are the data aggregators now in the role of Google My Business ranking in the local pack?
4: So most of the data aggregators have gone by the wayside. Um, Axion sold their product. Localize is – you know, not much, and um, factual it sort of doesn't really do that. They do more data analysis. Doesn't really do aggregation much anymore. So the only aggregator worth anything is Info, uh, Info USA, Info Group. Mm-hmm. And what I discovered was that through her phone number, through getting a local phone number. She, some, she showed up there. She didn't even do an entry there. So they discovered her fairly early on. Um, I see InfoGroup, particularly for new business, as a valuable thing because I know Google still looks at them for validation, uh, not necessarily for rank. Um, so, I mean, structured site – I went back and read a post from 2006 I did on the attributes of a restaurant that was ranking well. And I, back then, Google didn't, we didn't call them citations. It was before David Mim named them in 2008. They were called by Google web references, and they were surfaced in the graph, the knowledge graph, or whatever they called it back then, the, the local business listing. Those web references were surfaced, and I cataloged them. And what I found were review sites with reviews. I found some citation sites. I found uh, articles, New York Times, those sorts of things. So what I see citations, the the citation itself, and as I noted in the article, it was likely that the low value citations would ultimately be normalized out of the system, right? So the thing about a citation I think people need to understand is it only helps you in ranking if the citation itself adds value to the listing, right? And that could be, for example, a Yelp page with a lot of reviews on them. Yelp will rank that page highly, that will contribute to your rank in local. But just having a Yelp listing is of little consequence. And certainly having a listing at sites less important than Yelp, you might as well, you know, um, not waste your time. Um, so having reviews at a site, having articles in newspapers, having you know local mentions, those are all citations that were visible back then that are still valuable now. And any citation where you can influence its rank, in some way, and have it uh, move up in page prominence, is a valuable citation. So it's not that citations aren't valuable, but the idea that you're going to pay some subscription fee to feed your listing to 40 directories—it's really a meaningless exercise these days, particularly for single-location businesses. So, so it if may have value to a big chain because they don't aren't able to keep a canonical list of their locations, so it may have value in that sense. Or maybe a company that has a lot of locations change their hours frequently might have value in that sense. But as no value is a ranking tool or very little value. So, and yeah. even nap confusion, so I I went and I finally left uh, about a month ago, clean actually two weeks ago, cleaned up some of the nap confusion that was out there, the many restaurants that had been at the same location. And so far, we haven't seen an impact rank or visibility at all. So, even that, Google's new knowledge graph seems much more stable, much less influenced by bad data. You have to realize that the idea of, of cleaning up uh, messy NAP came from the fact that Google used to rebuild their index every six weeks using organic results. And if you never knew when a confusing Citation might influence that new result inappropriately. So the only way you could control that was by making sure they were clean. But after Google switched the knowledge panel, the authoritative nature of that listing sort of became fixed in the database, and it was much less likely that that some errant web listing would goof it up. So
2: you know we can't let that go by too quickly, Robert, because in the past three and a half minutes, Mike just really changed the course of local search optimization for a lot of people listening to the show. Sure. So citation building, routine, feeding it to aggregators, less impactful on that. Uh, being fanatically concerned about the accuracy of your nap, yeah. uh, which many people are still doing, it's not an impact.
0: I hate messy naps. You always have to change the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sorry. Okay, insider joke. joke. Well, Mike,
2: <laughs> let's go the other way then and say, you know, what, Give us some sense of what are the signals that have increased in strength. You've done a great job of telling what's decreased in strength. What are the signals that are now becoming more dominant as far as local search ranking?
4: Well, there's there's all sorts of signals that we can't see from Google. When you read their patents, you know, in terms of visitation, Google knows a whole lot more than they used to about where people are going, what they're doing. So that's all hidden from us. But in terms of things that you can control, um, I mean. There's two issues. One, there's rank. The other is conversion. So with, I guess it was Pigeon 2014, when Google dramatically narrowed the search radius and essentially only showed most businesses in a radius of a mile or two, Google's going to show your listing within that context of that limited mobile searcher. And in that context, you're going to get shown no matter what. And there, conversion optimization is critical. Right, So conversion optimization being looking better than the next guy in that pack results. So uh, making your brand story stand out in that limited context you have. So that's reviews, great photos, enticing posts, the kinds of things you can do at Google to provide them with data. In terms of ranking, what we found in terms of this case study that was impactful was reviews. Everybody knows that. Links. Everybody knows that. Um, and in terms of expanding reach, reviews and posts seem to expand the sort of long the, – the, the depth of long tail and the rank of those long tail phrases.
2: OK. Now, we want to get your thoughts on three <laughs> – Now, this is of- a
4: single-location case study. So, you know, these are co- correlations, not causation, but I, I – because it's such a clean – sort of subject, right, with not a lot of noise. There's not links floating around. There's no website. These are uh, these are indicators that I think the correlation is likely to be causation because they're so tightly bound. Like for example, when I dropped a couple links to her from Gather Up and Blumenthal's, I mean we immediately started get you know, our rank tracker immediately started digging and we started seeing ranking on searches we hadn't seen before. So clearly, that is a correlation, but it's a solid one. Do you know what I
2: mean? Let's talk about uh, three kind of experimental, innovative techniques, if you will, that are floating around the local search forums, and let's get your thoughts on these. Three experimental techniques. Number one, having an appendix of local specific links on either the contact us page or the location page of a website. So if you're trying to target – Orlando, you've got a little appendix on the sidebar that says Orlando Parks and Recreations, Orlando Things to Do, Orlando, such and such. What's your thoughts on that as an innovative technique?
4: Well, how many angels fit on the head of a pen? I don't know that one. Don't know. Oh, I I don't know. I mean, certainly solid outbound links from a website are viewed by Google as a sign of a quality website. So I don't see it as a, you know, trying to… I I see websites the the way I hope Google is starting to see them, which is that if the content, even if it links off the site to valuable local resources is valuable to the user, it's going to help. And we've seen outbound links consistently on high-ranking sites be valuable. As far as this particular tactic in terms of sidebars as a way of manipulating rank, I see it as... Uh, less than useful to the searcher and probably going to have minimal impact on rank
0: yeah i'll I'll have to agree with that one yeah number two publishing the gmb website without pointing your main domain to it
4: oh it's like any citation if it doesn't have any value it doesn't have any value so for it to have value you'd have to do link building to it or add some other value to that page it's just going to sit low in the index the You have to understand, these days, they're not ranked. It used to be they ranked your home page on your website was the authoritative page that influenced rank and local. But since the advent of the knowledge panel, it is now the entity in the knowledge graph that gets ranked. And that gets ranked by association with valuable pages that it can associate with it. In other words, a high-ranking help page, a high-ranking website, those things confer value back to the entity in the knowledge graph. And so... Having a Google my business website that just sits out there buried on page four you know it 's kind of like the dead body it sits out there beyond page two doesn 't do much good
2: all right number three but that 's a hot technique that's uh, that last one is getting some buzz uh, in a couple different forms now this next one I actually think i 've heard you talk about on uh, your video cast and that is that if you're a service based business and you 've chosen a service geography. To have a cell phone number that spends time in the physical city that you are trying to target as the number in the directory.
4: As far as I can tell, Google is pretty agnostic. You're saying that the business itself would have a cell phone number that Google could – like an Android that Google could track around and sees that it's in that geography? Yes, you mentioned that before
2: in the past. Yeah there's there's a study and I thought I might have heard on on your show but maybe it was uh, Joy's that uh, somebody had a landscaping business and they were trying to track that when their client was actually in a particular geographical unit of a city they were getting more calls from that particular city theorizing that they were showing up in gmb's for service related searches with that particular city. Next day, he goes to a different city and lo and behold, he gets more calls from that particular city. So they were postulating that it was because and it was a service based listing that the cell phone number in the listing was physically in that city at that time.
4: I have no data on it. I mean, only, I could only make a guess, right? I mean, it's it's and I I don't really have a good guess. I'd have to test it. And that's what I'd suggest, right? If you have a theory, build a good good test. The problem with most tests is people build messy tests, right? And so you want to be careful to try to limit the variables and see what happens. I really can't speak to that one intelligently. I've never tried it, never – don't have any good data on it.
0: Super interesting though, isn't it, if it were true? Yeah, but there's so many variables, you know? I mean, your service area alone, if you have – you know, it's just there's just a lot there.
2: But you but you think about how the uh, the data works for you know popular times at this location. What's that all based on? It's all based on where cell phones are.
0: It's it's also personalized results. So like if you did that search multiple That's times true from too. your phone, your Google's going to think, okay, well maybe he's wanting to go back to this person because he clicked on him before. That's true know? too. Right. So I mean, there's other variables. Yeah, you're, ab- have you're to be absolutely considered.
2: right. Yeah, I I totally agree. And and Mike, while we're kind of on this this topic a a little bit, you brought up uh, reviews and the effect that it had in your case study. I think we need to work a little bit about what's the safest way for people to solicit reviews and walk us through a little bit of what are some of the do's and don'ts in terms of incentivizing reviews.
4: Sure. So um, Yelp. explicitly prohibits in their terms of service solicitation of reviews. If you do it at Yelp, you're likely to get the red badge of shame. TripAdvisor and Google both encourage you to solicit reviews. Uh, Google's rules are basically um, that you can't incentivize them, and, and so is TripAdvisor. You can't incentivize them in any way. Um, and, and I just wrote a blog post to Gather Up on incentivizing TripAdvisor. This hotel, this green hotel, uh, had an interesting incentive where they would make a donation to a charitable organization if you wrote a TripAdvisor review. They didn't make any contention. That it had to be a good review. Didn't make it, There was no direct incentive. It was an indirect incentive. I showed a TripAdvisor. TripAdvisor said, absolutely against our guidelines. So there is – and what the FTC says about this, which is the sort of ruling national body – is that if you are going to do a review that has incentives, you need to note the incentives in the review, which you can 't do at Google and TripAdvisor? You can only do that in first party reviews, so I guess given that that, that matrix where Google where uh, incentives are you know banned at Yelp at Google and TripAdvisor and they have, and the FTC says you can use them, but you have to make it bold and include the fact that you had an incentive. Then I think incentives are off the table, and to a large extent, I find them unnecessary. I just, you know, we ask, we see a lot of review requests going up. Mike, um, and, we're
0: gonna have, we have to take a break real quick. Hold sure. that thought. Uh, we'll be back right after this message.
4: Sounds good.
1: Today's episode of Search Talk Live is sponsored by. Hey, Robert. You're here early for the show.
0: Yeah, I got a ton of SEO work done this morning, and I got it done way ahead of schedule. Couldn't have done it without Hrefs.
2: Yeah, so much easier than using multiple programs and having data in a bunch of different places.
0: Plus, being able to see what is holding a page back from ranking in Hrefs is so much faster than picking through each part myself.
2: Oh, yeah, I agree. We use Hrefs because it's so easy to teach people at our agency how to use it. Their YouTube tutorials couldn't be better. It's one thing to have a tool, it's another thing to know your team is using it to its full capacity. I don't think there's an easier, more complete tool than Hrefs. Hey, Robert, why don't you hit them up to be a sponsor of the show? I am way ahead of you. Hrefs, the official SEO tool of Search Talk Live. Try their new seven-day trial for only $7. Go to hrefs.com. That's hrefs.com.
5: Your website analytics data probably feels like this but it could feel like this. Making sense of all the website data available to you hasn't been easy until now. Smileytics transforms your website analytics data into easy-to-understand, memorable photographs. You pick your own photo theme. Smileytics. S-M-Y-L-E-lytics. Like analytics, only happier. And it's free at Smileytics.com want to know how your website is doing? Get the big picture with pictures. It's the easiest and most enjoyable way to understand your website data. No charts, no graphs, no cost. Sign up today. Smileytics. S-M-Y-L-E-lytics. Like analytics. Only happier at smileytics.com.
3: Learning a lot from Search Talk Live, but don't know what specific SEO actions you should be taking on your website? Or maybe you've tried to implement SEO on your website, but haven't gotten the results you were aiming for? We've all been there. That's why we here at Pixel Cut Labs created the SEO Project Planner. It's a one-time project where our SEO team runs a full site crawl, overlays data from leading SEO tools, and manually audits every page on your website. We'll use our findings to craft a strategic plan that covers everything from your link building strategy to page-level technical SEO and content recommendations. The Project Planner is perfect for businesses that are serious about SEO and want to hit a home run by leveraging our proven SEO strategy. To learn more and to see pricing for your project, visit pixelcutlabs.com STL or text STL to 31996. Pixel Cut Labs, welcome to page one. Get your questions in on
1: Twitter type hashtag search talk live and your question. Now back to the show.
0: All right. We're going to, we're back to the show. Be sure if you have a question for Mike, you can go on Twitter and type hashtag search talk live. And we'll ask those questions live on the show. But uh, Mike, go ahead and finish your thoughts.
4: So uh, incentives are a bad idea all the way around. They, uh, the worst thing about an incentive, though, isn't that Google prohibits it or the FTC prohibits it, is that if one of your clients gets suspicious and has a bad experience and mentions that you incentivize them, that goes into a review, then that review is there forever, and everybody's going to question the quality and integrity of your business and your reviews. So it's not just that they're against the rules. It's that other consumers find them, might find them objectionable, and if that gets mentioned, that can really... That'll be there forever, right? That's what they you should
0: that's what they should have is sponsored reviews. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but if you're looking to, to to Greece you know, I mean to me the thing that's the most highest integrity and easiest way to get my reviews is even if you're gonna follow up with an email is you ask them during the sale if it's okay if they send you if you send them an email and they give you their social agreement. That social agreement is a huge commitment that people will make, and if they do, the likelihood of getting a review goes way up, even though you know when you follow up with that email. if you're going to incentivize anything, perhaps you could incentivize your salespeople, the problem there is you run the risk of it overtaking the sales process and customer experience process, mm-hmm. so you have to be really careful they don't get. You know, weird about it, and asked twenty-seven times, which has happened to me. And the other possibilities, you could incentivize somebody leaving you an email address. Those are legal incentives um, that can then you know be, lead into more reviews. But in both those, you have to be you know you have to be cautious to not compromise your brand.
0: How do you? Um, how do you feel about uh, automated s- a system? Let's say you have your 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 cr your your content management or not content management what am I talking about
4: your CRM
0: CRM thank you uh your CRM automating the process so like your client has used your service at the end of the service agreement then it automatically sends out an email to that client saying hey you know if you're happy with our service um please you know sure free to give us a yeah. review."
4: I mean, I I think automation is really helpful, particularly if you're more than a mom-and-pop operation. If you have more than one location or more than a couple employees, automation becomes critical, which is one of the reasons we built Zapier and an API into into GatherUp was so that we could automate. And what we find is every industry and every business has a sort of natural flow of reviews Mm -hmm. and just the process of consistently being sure that you do, in fact, ask is a great contributor to success because reviews are a long-haul game, right? They're a three-year, five-year game. They're not a one-month, two-month game. Consistent, steady asking on a regular basis is a a recipe for long-haul success. And automation, like I said, I mean, we've built in APIs and JSON feeds and, uh, you know, Zapier and our product because we think automation is a great contributor to that because the business doesn't have to put in place one more process.
0: Yeah, very good. All right. Well, before the segment, before the the break, we were supposed to do what is called Who Influences the Influencer? Now, we want to know you, the influencer, who influences you? Where do you get your information and and who's your kind of mentors?
4: So to me, in local space, there's two that I turn to regularly. One is Joy Hawkins, who I think is one of the smartest people in the space and does some of the best experiments most rigorous testing and documenting of the outcomes she has a great book so i i uh joy is a has because she was sort of a I used to mentor joy now she mentors me so kudos to joy bill <laughs> slosky when he writes uh on patents in the local space, yep. is very. I, I follow him closely. And then I like looking outside the local space, because the local space is part and parcel of a bigger environment. So I look at two people regularly. One is Horace Didu, who analyzes the Apple space, which has a huge impact on local, but he also analyzes the automotive and mobility space, which I think is a big play in local. And then uh, Ben Thompson, who writes Stratechery, which is a very sophisticated analysis of sort of one level up again, sort of looking at the, the the higher order functioning of Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, WeWorks, et cetera, Uber, those kinds of places. So those are the four that. If I could only pick four and go to a desert island, that's who I'd go with.
2: (laughs) That's a great list. Now, Joy is going to be a guest on the show in just a couple weeks, Mike. So if you want to email us a question that you're sure is going to stump her, just email that (laughs) out and we will not tell her it came from you. There is
4: no question that's going to stump (laughs) Joy. She's really, like I said, I think she is a leading luminary in local these days. You know, I spend a lot of time on reviews. You know, I used to spend more time in local, and she really has picked up that mantle and done a great job with it. I mean, she's really worked hard at being uh, the expert in the field. I mean, singular in the sense of really very few people can touch her. So,
2: Joy, coming up as a guest on Search Talk Live. Next week. Next week. Now, Mike, you know, we've got a lot of folks listening to the show who took a kind of a set it and forget it stance with their GMB profile. What do you think is the most underutilized feature in your experience in GMB?
4: Well, I think there's two, if I can pick two. Um, Well, in terms of the most underutilized feature, probably the messaging feature is the most underutilized because Google has sort of screwed it up so royally off and on over the years uh, in terms of underutilized. In terms of benefit, back to this idea of conversion optimization, photos and posts. I think that posts are now showing up in answers to Q&A. They're showing up in the three-pack. So, I think that posts have reach beyond just the posts themselves. And I think photos, great photos, not stock photography, great photos can have a huge influence on sort of the subconscious decision to pick you over the next company. And I think conversion optimization at the point of interaction on Google, we're seeing, I'm seeing in case studies, I'm seeing 70, 80% of digital leads happening right on Google, not coming to the website not going someplace else, happening right on Google. If that's the case across your business or for your business, then looking the best you can look at Google is critical. And that's, like I said, photos, posts, uh, and the other sort of ancillary tools that they give you, products and services, etc. But right. that means posts and photos. We've got
2: to step into the great debate, Robert, which is the FAQ schema debate, right? So we've got folks on one side of the debate that say now that we've crossed the line that 50% of search engine results pages, don't get a click. We've got Google doing a masterful job of answering searchers' questions right on the SERP, which means more businesses are losing out on website traffic on that. And where's Google with that? So some folks say FAQ schema, you're giving the user a chance to be satisfied on the SERP and then therefore not be exposed to deeper additional information you have on your website. Opposite side of the argument is all right, so you give the user what they want at the earliest possible lever in, level in the journey, so you're making the customer happy on that. Robert, where do you stand on that
0: to be? My stance is that it's better to be there than not to be there. Do you know what I'm saying? So given that chance for them to possibly click through to your site, then not at all. I mean, I, I, that's, that's where I stand.
2: So the battle is going to be elevated on the SERP itself is in your mind. Which is pretty consistent with what Mike is saying right now. Yes, absolutely. And Mike, is that your sense, too, when it comes to FAQ schema? Do you land on the side of, you know, if the customer wants the information at the earliest possible point, then give it to them, even though they won't be exposed to your additional messaging on your website?
4: I mean, in local, I see FAQ schema as a little bit further down the task list. I would see event schema as more critical because it's more likely to show up in the knowledge graph and have its own knowledge panel. Yeah. You know, ultimately you have to realize that your website is feeding these results and you want to feed them as richly as possible. If your business is complicated enough that they need to go beyond Google, you want to look as good as you can at Google to attract them to your website where because you have a complicated goods or service, you can close them. But if you have a simple thing or the decision isn't that big a deal, like in a lot of bricks and mortar, should I visit this retailer, that's not a life-changing decision. And if the bulk of those decisions are going to be made at Google, then by all means, give it to them. So it depends a little bit on your business, but regardless of whether you're in the more sophisticated business or not, you still got to give them the information at Google. So,
0: Yeah, you know, and I also think the other thing is you have, as you well know, there is informational type of searches that really aren't applicable to the service that you offer, or maybe they're just trying to fix their toilet or or something like that. It's you know you, those those worthless visits to your site anyway,
2: except for long term brand exposure. Correct, right? So if the consumer sees that you're the subject matter expert right. in that particular topic, there's a value to that. Mike, I think you're going to shock people with the answer to this next question. But what's your sense of how how big of a deal is fraudulent local GMB listings? How rampant is that? <laughs> well,
4: so local is hype is really hyper local. And by that, I mean that the problem is worse in certain industries, in certain geographies. And, you know, Google themselves admitted that in some geographies in locksmith, the problem could be as big as 80, 85 percent. Right. Wow. But so, you know, and and it's it's worse in in sort of urban areas. It's worse in um, certain verticals like garage door openers, appliance repairs. Locksmiths, um, lawyers—depends on what you call spam. But in others, it's you know, it's it's you know, in bricks and mortar, it's a relatively free environment. You know, it's hard to it's hard to spam a bricks and mortar location um, because the call to act, the conversion is the visit, right? So, what good does putting a fake listing up there do? So, it's 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 very dependent on a million things. If you asked me what percentage of all of google's 150 million listings are spam i'd say that's sort of i mean well i think it's probably about three or four percent i think that's that's not a great way to look at it because the question is what percentage of businesses that people search on and see are spam is probably a better question only people can answer that to google and the other side of it is look if it's in your business and in your industry and in your market then part of your seo strategy whether it's you or the agency should be to take those spammers down because you're being cheated the consumer's being cheated yeah. so i have no trouble you know aggressively focusing on a market that serves a client to be sure that the spam is reported and taken down
0: yeah i've i call it sniping I go through listings for specific keywords in the in the location, local areas, and if I see somebody trying to get by with, hey, here's the keyword, yada yada, whatever it may be, in
2: the, the title of their name,
0: correct. I change it because I'm a contributor, but it doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> but. uh you know, yeah, I've one, uh,
4: just a tactic on this that if you, one of the things that Google responds to better is when you find spam at scale, right? Yeah, they they, they, they like to take it down scale rather than onesies. So one of the things I've developed, I I did a blog post on this, but if you go in to the local finder, not logged in, and f- manage to identify some sort of phrase that frequently seems to be associated with a lot of spam listings, let's say I don't know. Um, locksmith plus city quote kind of things and you go into the you, you click through into the local finder and then you do an all in title and zoom out you can quite frequently find massive numbers of these across broad expanses then you turn those into google you put them into a spreadsheet you communicate with google via twitter so it's private then you have a chance not just of taking your own local ones out but of taking the broader, having an impact on the broader network yeah. and Google's more likely to respond because you're deal, doing, dealing with it at scale.
2: Some of these are so good people don't even know they're looking at a spam GMB listing. What What are the two or three common indicators of a spammy GMB listing?
4: So when I'm looking I look for non-brand you know, keywords instead of obvious brands. So Uh, in the title and then i often click through the reviews if a lot of the reviews are hidden the review profiles are hidden that's a good you know those two things together um are pretty good sign and then if you see this pattern of keyword plus city that's you know a deal sealer you're dealing with a spam network but those three things now those aren't only things but those are quick high level indicators and I would say this to the consuming public if you're I wouldn't use Google for locksmiths garage door openers or appliance repair because in those verticals it's brutal
2: yeah and I like your perspective that it is costing you as a business. So you may think, okay, you know, I'm not spammy, I'm not really affected by this problem, but actually, you are when you think about the limited inventory of slots available in the local pack, and if one or two or three of those is being taken up by illicit or illegal or unregulated uh, listings, that's pushing you out of one.
4: Potentially, absolutely, and more important. I mean, typically, local searches done on a phone. Within a radius of a mile or two, you're going to show up. It's on the broader searches where you're more likely to be impacted because the spammers have used the city and the the keyword in the title. You're more likely to be impacted on those broader searches, which are happening less and less, but they're still important. And justifiably, a business should be angry about that and defend their turf. Yeah.
2: My success rate, by the way, it's, for me, it's like less than five percent of the ones that I've contested that I've. Actually, been able to follow up and see them disappear. say it's less than 5%. Do you have a? Uh,
4: yeah, well, I, I don't track them personally, but I do. I am a member of a reporting cabal uh, where Ooh, we've put together great. Four, four or five people <laughs> with high local guide standing that help each other uh, validate and report spam, and that seems to increase the chances of success.
2: I'm so glad you were a guest on the show because I thought the word cabal was only a word used on the show blacklist, but I now know that it has a broader meaning.
4: Well, it's any group of people that conspire to an end.
2: That is so great. (laughs) I I feel enlightened. (laughs) Less about blacklist now. I feel a little bit less about the show.
0: All right, so it's that time.
2: It's that time for Believe It or Leave It, Mike. And what we're going to do is give you three statements we found on the Internet about local search. And I'm going to ask you to te- ask tell our audience whether they should believe it or whether they should leave it. Are you ready?
4: Well, I'm ready. Can I say no comment or is that not, no. is not allowed? <laughs> oh, no, that I would have be, to answer. Huh?
2: That would be too easy because I mean, Joy has well, already told us. Joyce told us she's going to answer all three of them, so you can't bow out.
4: Oh, how about if I say test it yourself, (laughs) Dan." No, okay, go ahead. Here we go. I'll I'll give it my best shot. All
2: right, number one, if your business's physical address is outside the main metro area you want to compete in, it is better for you to choose a service area in your GMB listing. As a business whose customers do not come to your physical location, even if they do?
4: Good question. Uh, it is a great question, but I would suggest to the business that they've missed the mark by putting their business where there are no customers. If they're truly a walk-in business, then you've got to be where you're convenient to people. It's like, you know, either you're a walk-in business or you're not. If you are, then locate correctly. So, you need to go up one level and fix your frickin' business before <laughs> this.
2: But, you know, I think in situations that there are slight geographical lines, you know, like there are. Oh,
4: there are absolutely geographical lines that get arbitrarily drawn by Google. Yeah. But, like I said, the, the bulk of searches in Google these days are, are non geo modified. People looking on their phone, Google knowing where your phone is and giving you a radius around the phone. And in the, if you're dependent on walk-in traffic for your business, then, then you know, you, you, you need to realize that. Now, you're talking about sort of a mixed metaphor here. Somebody who wants a phone call but doesn't care about walk-in traffic or somebody being able to drive to them, you know, that's a very small segment of the population. And maybe for that small segment that meets that criteria, feel free. I think it's better to run your business better myself. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. All right. Number two,
0: you do not need a website to show up in local search results.
4: Well, that's true as far as it goes, right? I mean, my case study earlier demonstrates that, although I have a Google website, which they give you as part of the GMB. It's sort of a page. But you are giving up the ability to influence Google on Google. Uh, with your internal links and your internal content, which Google looks at very closely. So the ability to link to you know using keywords on your website, like you can link keyword stuff, your links on your own website all you want. Google is good with that. They figure if you're saying it's about engagement rings, the page is really about engagement rings, and that will help you. So I think internal linking is one of the strongest tactics in local. So giving up a website is a mistake, but it's doable.
0: Yeah. All right. Now, I... Oh, I'm sorry. We so are
4: these answers too complicated? i Am supposed to say just yes and no? No, oh, you're no, actually no. doing great. That's great. Go
2: ahead. All right, number three. The best way to rank for local search in a city where your business is not located is to acquire a temporary physical address in that city.
4: Well, I would say the best way to rank in local search would be to take out an ad. But uh, So beyond that, <laughs> if we're saying, okay, we're not taking out ads – then yeah, getting an office is would be the best way to do it.
1: But there's a real so-
4: office staffed with a person. Yeah. So there's a case involved in it. If you want to be sustainable, right? In other words, it has to meet Google's criteria if you want it to last more than this Christmas season. Whatever. Um, you know, if it's just a short term income thing, you know, you can do it at WeWork. But um, if you really want a sustainable solution, you need a staffed office with a phone number and a sign uh, in the city that you want to business in. But like I said, you can do it with AdWords and test it. If it works with AdWords, great. Then invest the amount it takes to build a real office.
2: So okay. no USP boxes, no mailbox, et cetera, boxes, no although virtual. they've been rebranded to no virtual <laughs> offices, uh, right? No.
4: And Google's been cracking down on them left and right So it may get by for a little bit But it's not a sustainable tactic
0: Now I have a question for you And I get get this question quite a bit Now is it worth it To do your local listing For Bing Yahoo And all those other places It's a two part question I'll let you answer this first If the
4: average age of your customers is 72
0: Yes (laughs) Well you have to think that bing is is a default on a windows computer
4: (laughs) that's right and who's still using windows with a default browser yeah right age is 72 so you know like i said if your demographic's older probably is we didn't bother for this person you know and when i look in law and look in in well when i look in analytics i see bing at significantly less than one percent of conversions these are people that have you know invested in Putting in, uh, they're claiming the listing at Bing. Um, so, you know, less than one percent is up to you. I right. mean, I think there are better ways to increase your Google visibility by less less than one percent. A whole lot easier, right? Um, so, to me, it's an issue of time and money, and those fall to the bottom of the heap in my money time scenario.
0: Okay. Now, to the second part of that question. Now with people, we've covered Google reviews and how important they are. But I mean, when you have review places like Yelp and Google and Bing and all these other places, Bing
4: doesn't do reviews.
0: Okay. Yeah. They aggregate that. Um, we have multiple sites where people place, place reviews. Lawyers have lawyer.com and all this other place where they get reviews. What would you tell somebody to, to get reviews on all these places or focus on one?
4: So, uh, Here's the longer story, if you don't mind. The longer story is the general review site, they were 11 of them or 12 of them in 2009. Now there's three general review sites, maybe four, depending on how you count them, right? So there's used to be Super Pages and Yellow Pages. They still take reviews. Yeah. Now there's Google, Yelp. Facebook is sort of half-assed better business bureau very half ass so there's really two general review sites you can't ask for reviews at yelp and if you try you're going to get your hand slapped so at least google so there's one there but in, in the verticals there are you know most verticals there's one or two review sites and what you see happen uh is that Google will, if you get a few reviews at these sites, Google will elevate those pages to the first page of the brand search result. So I do believe picking one or two vertical sites is useful for lightweight efforts. I don't think you should put a lot of work into it. But to me, the most important thing beyond, say, Google and one vertical site is your own site. I think getting your own reviews is the unheralded technique of this Timeframe, because you get one you get stars in the SERPs if they're done correctly with rich snippets so you get increased conversions at google they show up in the google knowledge panel as reviews from around the web on many searches and they also provide social proof and content for your website so to me it's google your own reviews and some lightweight focus on a vertical so that you at least look good there so, the brand story looks good. You fill out the reviews from the web with two or three sites uh, so that people looking at you get a consistent story. So, it's Google, your own, and one or two verticals sort of mixed into the mix on occasion.
0: Great answer. Okay. Hey, Charles, Powerful. are you getting all this? <laughs> I'm <it> all <laughs> Charles is our sound engineer, he owns the studio that we do our show from. Uh, called Heat Labs in Orlando. Uh, but one of the things we did is I, he, you know, I ran across his, I found him from Google My Business, but he did, he's one of those guys that set it and forget it. But uh, once I walked him through it a little bit, he had added photos and all this other good stuff, and he started getting more and more calls. So I was like.
2: And he has yet to add photos of us, by the way. Right? <laughs> I mean, I, f- I just find that as a He's major slam. He's pulling out his phone right now.
4: Yeah, that, that, may, that may affect your conversion optimization negatively. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, sure. have you seen us? <laughs> I- really? I'm only guessing. <laughs> and guessing
2: well, my friend. Yeah. All right, well, we are just about at the end of the show. It's time for the tattoo. It's time for the Search Talk Live tattoo. Mike, we're looking for your most powerful, most succinct piece of advice for our listeners about today's content.
4: Conversion optimization rules. Wow,
2: ah, okay. that's a
4: pretty good one.
2: I like it because I think Mike talked about the perspective of optimizing for <laughs> conversions on your GMB and on Google, which is a, a segment we haven't heard people really explore that deeply. That was great. Yeah.
0: So, Mike, I want to thank you for being on the show. If you could tell everybody how they can reach you, where your articles, where you post, and where you're going to be uh, appearance wise sure. and that type of stuff.
4: So, public presentation, September 19th, Denver, part of the Local U crew, which includes Joy is speaking, Joy Hawkins, Cindy Crum, Mary Bowling, um, David Mim, great speaker lineup, September 19th in in Denver, Um, and that's uh, the only public speaking I'm doing, I'm doing a number of private ones. In terms of blogging, blumenthal.com forward slash blog, localu.org, I do a weekly podcast um there, and a weekly uh, email list there, and then I write about reviews at gatherup dot com forward slash blog if you're interested in review specific content and then biweekly, I do an article at Street Fight mag with David Mim, sort of a big look at uh sort of a ten thousand foot view of the industry of Google of the issues that Agencies and businesses confront.
2: Mike, I just want to mention before we close that so far in this past hour, I've learned that you have an article at Street Fight magazine, and also you're speaking at Duct Tape Conference. It's it's painting a different picture than I had of you before the podcast.
4: Ah, well, I'm not like you. Fortunately, you can't see my real picture, so it may be disappointing in reality
2: well awesome job Mike we really enjoyed having you as a guest and you were immensely informative
0: yes thank you very
4: much uh, thank you very much and uh, people can also reach out to me my email is mike at com. I'm uh, glad to answer I'm on Twitter and Blumenthal on Twitter so
0: okay.
4: uh, email or Twitter feel free to reach out to me
0: alright well thanks a lot Mike guys. Thank
4: you for having me. You're welcome.
0: All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to the show. B, mark this down on your calendar. Uh, I want you guys to be ready. We have Joy Hawkins next week uh, followed by Keith Good. He's the head of Google or head of Google. He's the head of search at IBM. Uh, And the following week we have our good friend John Mueller from Google. Wow. Uh, He is the cert web what is it webmaster trends analyst at Google I might He's, come to that one <laughs> I hope you do <laughs> <laughs> so uh, get your questions ready again you can go to Twitter and type in hashtag search talk live uh, with your questions I think a lot of you are gonna have good questions I want to have some questions a you know I listened to his po- his videos and his uh, he kind of took over the reins for Matt cutts back in the day but um but I want to ask him some rare questions, you know, Absolutely. something that he doesn't get all the time.
2: You know, and he kind of threw the gauntlet down when he emailed you. He said, you know, we've got some new stuff coming out, and people typically ask me about the new stuff. Yeah, I was he like, I exclusive the stuff. Down. Yeah. It's going to
0: be cool. But anyway, that's stuff to look forward to. He's going to be on the first of the month, uh, and obviously next week we have um, Joy, who's going to be on on the 18th. And then the twenty or not the 18th, I'm sorry, the 17th. And then the 24th, we have uh, Keith Goode. And uh, yeah, lots of great content coming your way. Uh, so mark it on your calendar, and we'll see you next week. Thanks Bye, for guys.
2: listening, everybody. Bye-bye.
1: Search Talk Live is sponsored by the Robert Palmer family of companies. If you have questions for Search Talk Live or you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor of the show, email Robert at SearchTalkLive.com. That's SearchTalkLive.com.